I'm Jess Dakotis. And I'm Nick Colziel. Welcome to That Sounds Terrifying, the podcast where we share terrifying stories, we share listener experiences, and we visit virtually some of the most haunted places in the United States and the world. Welcome back to That Sounds Terrifying. Hey, everybody. Glad to be back. And uh, we have a couple terrifying tales for you. Um, they're all around the Civil War or Civil War themed or war themed in general. Um, but uh, we thought we'd start off with a couple little tales that we have of our own experiences. And uh, Jess, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the your little story? Oh, you want me to start off with this? Sure, sure. Let's let's warm everybody up. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to be talking, like Nick said, about Civil War in Gettysburg. Um, This is a personal story from my mom, which is funny because um, she doesn't necessarily believe in ghosts. Um, Due to her religion, ghosts are demons. (laughs) So, (laughs) but, but... She's always quick to tell me about a ghost story or encounter or something that she's had in our house or traveling. Um, So this happened when she and my dad went to Gettysburg, I think like about like six or seven years ago. And um, I was like, oh, have fun. You know, like that place is super haunted. (laughs) She's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like I love history. She loves historic everything. And I do too. I probably get that from her. Um, But they went down there and she, I was like, where are you staying? Just as a safety thing. Um, and she told me the name of the hotel and I was like, okay. So I Googled it <laughs> and um, I didn't tell her until she came back what I found. So um, she got back from the trip and I, you know, she called me or I called her, we got in touch and she said, Um, oh we had the best time Um, it was really great we did do a ghost tour and I was like you did a ghost tour all right I was like did they find anything she's like no of course not no there was nothing Um, and then she um, told me like you know oh we went to eat at this the restaurant downstairs Um, she's like and I felt a little uncomfortable in that like little restaurant and I was like oh what do you mean she's like I just it felt eerie you know kind of cold I didn't like it I didn't like being in there that's okay um so then I said so I found out that your hotel is haunted (laughs) (laughs) and she was like oh Jessica and she was like well actually now that you say that she said so this is kind of weird your dad and I went to bed and there was like a quilt at the end of our bed um, you know, like how they fold the quilt at the end. Yeah. Uh, and she she said that she woke up in the morning, every morning, and that quilt hadn't moved at all. Like, you know, it was like right where their mm-hmm. feet were. Usually the, the quilt, quilt, a quilt will fall off, right? Right. Um, and she said it literally, she sat up and had literally looked at it and said, it's like we didn't even sleep in this bed. Mm-hmm. Like everything was like 
flat, nice, clean, nothing. She's like, ah, it's so weird. She'd get out of the bed and she said that she'd get out of the bed and the quilt would fall down. That's strange. Cause like they would both kick that off. Um, so that's when I told her that I found out in my research that there was actually a housekeeping ghost at that hotel that they stayed at. There was a housekeeping ghost. <laughs> she was like, get out. That's not true. I sent her the link to the website and everything. And she's like, oh my God, there's a housekeeping ghost. <laughs> everything was affirmed. <laughs> yeah. So like, I guess like that housekeeping ghost is like taking care of people while they're sleeping or I, I, like, I don't know, cleaning up and make, being like, don't, don't mess the bed up. I, I don't know, but I thought that right. was kind of funny. Yeah. That is a fun story. Um, you know, it made me think of uh, episode two when you were talking to your, I think it was your cab driver, and you were saying how much you love uh, when people say, oh, I don't believe in ghosts, I don't believe in but, the, but there was this one time, which is kind of what your mom just did there. <laughs> every time, yeah. every time. Yeah, so I love that. But I feel like that, again, like that's like almost every time, almost every time I, you can walk up to anybody in a grocery store and be like, do you believe in ghosts? And they'll either say yes or no. And you'll say, do you have any paranormal experiences that happened to you? And I feel like eight out of 10 times, they're going to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, that's what I've started to do a little bit more uh, is ask people uh, and be that weird guy uh, in the line at the grocery store. I haven't done that at yet. At the grocery store. But I, no, seriously, <laughs> I am starting to ask more people because we want content for the show and, and we want to start yeah. bringing on guests. We have several guests that we have in mind to bring on, but we also want to tell stories. So uh, mm -hmm. shameless plug, everybody. Let's tell our yeah. stories. You know, that's we our want your stories. <laughs> so. Um, but let's get started with a, a little bit more Gettysburg action. Um, I did, uh, as a Boy Scout, like, I, too, have a great love of history. And I think that really came from my Scoutmaster. Um, you know, we used to tour. I feel like we've been to every every Civil War battlefield. In fact, when I was doing some of the research around here, I was remembering some of the things that he taught me. Um, and some of the experiences that I had at the time, which were, you know, you know, we were kids and maybe getting scared about freaking ourselves out and you know ghost stories around the fire and all that stuff but there's one particular time that we went to Gettysburg and um we were doing all those things we had like a song book that we would sing songs around the fire and then sometimes we tell creepy stories and um this one particular night was uh like our first night in Gettysburg and um just telling stories about how sometimes the ghosts of Gettysburg are still haunt the, the you know, the battlefields and everything. So we're all like laughing. Ah, ha, ha. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing, nothing. Right. So um, we go to bed and um, I had a really like horrible, horrible dream where I was in the battle. I was shot and killed. Um, I, I can I could feel like the bullet ripping through me. Um, just like it was horrible and i just chalk it up really bad big nightmare right yeah so part of the you know the experience was going into the town and going into all the shops which have like civil war memorabilia and all those things and um you know i bought i remember buying like little um bullets and and like a, a kepi and things like that and my friend i think it was my friend jeff actually called me over to this this picture that was in one of the antique stores and um he's like dude that looks just like you and hanging up on the wall is this picture of this civil war guy 
who looks just like me, this young kid. Mm-hmm. And other than that, you know, I just had this chill down my, my you know, spine because um, I'm like that. And the, the dream that I had and the feeling that I had just felt like I had been there before and all those different things. So maybe it's a past life kind of experience or something. Um, the photo was for sale. It was very expensive. It was like framed in this ornate thing. So I didn't end up getting it. I even tried to convince the scoutmaster to get it for me and they, they just mm-hmm. didn't do it. Um, I wonder if I go back there, if it's still there, but um, it was just a very creepy and unsettling experience. And I, and I didn't sleep well that in, that entire trip after that. Didn't have the dream again, but didn't sleep well. So that's my sort of Gettysburg experience. So that's creepy. Um all right, so I have a few a few things, a few mental notes <laughs> that I was making while you're telling that story. Sure. So, so are you a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I don't think so. If I am, okay. I don't have any of the cool superpowers. All right, cool, cool. So, um, the other thing is, is uh, what was the scoutmaster's name? Mike Brown. Okay, I scoutmaster Mike. Okay, mm-hmm. and it's not as fun. Something yeah. like Scoutmaster Bob or Scoutmaster Jim right? or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scoutmaster Mike's not as fun. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing is, so you were young. You were like what? I was around the age that you would actually have been in the war. Um, so it was like fourteen, fifteen, somewhere around okay. there. I could have been a drummer boy. Um, okay. it was very unclear in, in the photo what that person was. You know, he looked very young, very much like like me. Um, so when, sorry, so when when you were having that dream and you felt the bullet go through, did mm-hmm. you feel yourself die? I don't. I I distinctly remember it being the most painful feeling I've ever felt. Like I've yeah. never been shot before. I've never been stabbed. Thank God. Um, you know, but I. I have had like hockey injuries and other things. This like memory of that pain is just crazy. Um, how mm-hmm. mad it hurt. It was not, I got the sense that it was not instant either. It was a very long and slow, painful kind of experience for the dreamy, in this case, kind of me, you know, but yeah. I woke up, I woke up after I was shot, but there was like this lingering sadness kind of a thing. Like I felt like mm. whatever happened to that guy, it was not a short, like, okay, he's dead. It was a mm-hmm. very long thing. So had had you been on the battlefield that day? Um, that day, yeah. We spent the whole day, you know, retracing different parts of the actual battles and things like that. So we had a tour. Um, and then we stayed like we probably stayed somewhere on another battlefield. I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember. It was why it was quite a while ago now, hmm. but we definitely stayed near the battlefield. Yeah. I, I guess I'm just wondering if it was like a, um, a hanger on, you know, somebody who followed you back and just wanted their death experienced mm-hmm. because that I've heard other stories about um, spirits who just want their death experienced and, mm-hmm then they can move on sort of thing sure. or it could have been a past life i mean there's so many theories right <laughs> like, yeah. so many terrifying theories um paranormal theories to me i guess it's not very terrifying i think it's kind of cool but um yeah i just i guess i just wonder and we'll never know yeah. but um it I mean, is it... a synchronicity that you then saw somebody who looked like you so yeah. what if it was like the spirit of that guy potentially 
said, this kid looks like me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it could be just a dream and then a mere coincidence. And, you know, it was weird because I remember standing there and, and I have this, this Kepi, this cap, um, and I was wearing it like in the store. Um, and there's, um, the, there's a symbol, there's like the Calvary, um, metal piece that can go on the Kepi. There was nothing on that one, but I bought one that was actually found on the, on the battlefield. Like, so it was an antique. It was the actual thing. Whereas the Kepi was brand new. Um, but I was wearing that when my friend came over and I'm like, picture me kind of like walking up to a piece of, you know, the photos back then were put on glass, right? They weren't like picture things. So they were reflective. And then like, I distinctly remember looking at them, like it, it was reflect, my reflection was coming from the in, into that uh, picture as well. So like I could see myself with the cap and that probably made it a little bit more eerie, a little more real. So, but like I said, I, it could just be, you know, 15 year old, 16 year old kid with an overactive imagination telling scary stories and freaking himself out but might be more than that so potentially yeah i i feel like when you have a dream that never leaves you it's usually a visitation of some sort mm -hmm. or a memory um you know those dreams that you just can't kick or dreams of um relatives who have passed or friends who have passed and like they stay with you mm -hmm. i mean because most of my dreams i don't remember them i i vivid i have vivid dreams but i don't remember them sure um but when I have a dream about somebody I loved who passed away um, or dreams where I died, mm -hmm. um, if, if it is a visitation or a memory, then I will remember it. Mm -hmm. See, and, and I remember most of my dreams very vividly. And, mm. and like, you know, I, I can recall them, like a lot of people lose that when they wake up in their first minute and they don't like write down, I usually remember it. And what's unsettling to me is when I, when I don't dream or I don't recall the dream, like then I usually, mm. I don't know if it's just psychological, but then I have a bad day for some reason. <laughs> I'm like, mm. you know, I don't know. So, but anyways, I just thought based on the two stories that I'm going to now share, um, that was a cool kind of segue and a cool experience to kind of talk about um frightening at the time during the actual night where i was feeling what i was feeling and then sort of really weird creepy in that store um to this day i, I have just i i wish that i had just bought that right it found a way <laughs> lifted it out of the store i don't know lifted it yeah. <laughs> with the ornate frame no, right. nothing to see here no, it's under my shirt <laughs> yeah why is your shirt square sir so our first real story first story um is actually about Abraham Lincoln. Oh, I know him. <laughs> so I know I of him. Yeah. <laughs> so, in April of 1865, the nation found itself in the grip of sorrow. The assassination of President Abraham Lincoln had shattered the very soul of America, leaving it in a state of mourning. To pay homage to their fallen leader, a somber and historic event was set in motion. Abraham Lincoln had a funeral train that took a solemn journey that stretched from the heart of the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. to the small town of Springfield, Illinois, where Lincoln grew up and he was laid to rest. The train's path was not an ordinary one. It carved its way through the collective grief of a grieving nation. Covering almost 1,700 miles, the train's route waved through major cities and towns, inviting millions of Americans to line the tracks and bid farewell to a beloved president. 
train was no ordinary locomotive. It was specially designed. Funeral car was named the United States. Draped in black mourning bunting and adorned with an elaborate funeral design, it was the symbol of the nation's grief. At various points during its mournful journey, the funeral train made poignant stops. It was during these stops that Lincoln's casket was placed in public display and thousands were allowed to pay their last respects. In some locations, elaborate ceremonies were held to honor the fallen leader. As the funeral train moved through the nation, it bore witness to significant historical events. One such moment was the laying of the final spike in the first transcontinental railroad in, in the Promontory Summit, Utah, on May 10th, 1869. This remarkable milestone occurred during the train's solemn journey, a testament to the nation's determination and unity. Journey reached its poignant conclusion in Springfield, Illinois, where Lincoln had spent his formative years. Here immense the rolling plains and prairie winds, the president was laid to rest in Oak Ridge Cemetery on May 1865. Abraham Lincoln's funeral train was a powerful symbol of national mourning and unity during perhaps the most tumultuous time in American history. But perhaps this wasn't the end of the story. In the years that followed, tales began to emerge of a supernatural version of Lincoln's funeral train. It was said that during the twilight hours, the ghostly locomotive would retrace its path through the nation, particularly in New York State. Witnesses recounted eerie sightings of a spectral train, some described a steam engine slowly chugging along, carrying an otherworldly darkness that obscured the moon and sent chills down the spines of those who beheld it. Others claimed they could peer inside the train, where a crew of skeletal figures manned its ghostly machinery. In the middle of the train, Lincoln's coffin rested, surrounded by ghostly soldiers in blue Union uniforms. The Phantom Train was not confined to a single lo location. It traversed from 21st Street in New York City all the way up to Albany, following the original path of the old New York Central Railroad. Wherever it passed, the clocks mysteriously lagged six minutes behind. In the late 1980s, a man named John, along with a group of educated and level-headed friends, decided to investigate the legend of Lincoln's ghost train in Rome, New York. It was in April, around the anniversary of Lincoln's final journey, they hoped to catch a glimpse of the spectral locomotive that had captured the imaginations of so many. As they gathered by the tracks, the air took on a keen, almost electric quality. They waited in anticipation, but what they saw was a blur, a fleeting glimpse of a ghost train. It was as if it existed in the fringes of reality, an ethereal reminder of a president at a time long past. In the years that follow, on each April 27th, people continued to venture to the railroad line in Albany, New York, hoping to catch a sight of Lincoln's ghost train as it passes. That's interesting. I've never heard that, which is funny, because, I mean, I've, I've heard um, how Abraham Lincoln um, predicted his own death. Mm -hmm. um, he saw himself in the mirror, that sort of thing, something we can yeah. talk about um, at a later date, but I've never heard that that the yeah. train is spectral and it's right in new york rome new york or yeah. albany new york rome is just an hour outside of syracuse that'd be yeah. easy to get to <laughs> yeah both places it's it's there's a bunch of places across the country you know that they say they this has been so it's very interesting and i've heard other things about abraham lincoln you know being uh you know haunting in the white house in the lincoln bedroom there's several stories from prominent politicians guests of the white house and you know yeah so yeah yeah there are a ton of white house stories about him dolly madison stories too which is funny 
but I did not know that there was a spectral train going through. So that's interesting. Maybe that'd be something fun to do on April 27th. <laughs> yeah. We have to go, go check it out. Yeah. Um, I'm in the Albany area quite a bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, we are too. So uh, another interesting kind of fact was, you know, Lincoln's son, uh, Willie, who had passed away during his presidency, yeah. also made yeah. an appearance in this train. He was actually um, brought to uh, to lay in the family plot so they removed him from dc or that area and brought him up um so he was also in that funeral procession um so just a lot of different things going on with that president during a very hard time for our country as far as history goes and then um you know just a very interesting and somewhat scary story <laughs> yeah so, the skeleton crew sounded weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It made me think of like uh, Pirates of the Car Caribbean, um, where there's skeletons on the ship. <laughs> yeah. So I pulled this together from a couple different stories of the spectral train. Um, and I'll put all of those links in um, our show notes so people can kind of go back yeah. and see. But there were parts that I took from each story just to kind of make sure that I was getting a good overall view of all the stories. But there's other. Yeah, uh, I love it individual um experiences that people shared so cool well keeping with our civil war theme um i wanted to share uh, a little bit about custer's last stand hmm. so 147 years ago a daredevil of a soldier notable for both his bravery and his recklessness took the biggest gamble of his military career and lost George Armstrong Custer split his 7th Cavalry into three columns and launched an attack against the biggest Native American tribal gathering ever seen. A giant village of some six to 8,000 Lakota, Northern Cheyenne, and Aparaho, led by, uh, among others, the legendary warriors Crazy Horse, Sitting Bull, and Gaul. Within an hour, Custer and some 220 or thereabout men under his direct command were dead. Another 40 or 50 would be killed in the action at Reno Crossing, so-called after the commander at that point on the field, Major Marcus Reno. It was, without a doubt, the greatest victory and costliest of any confederation of Native American tribes ever won. And naturally, it left a remar remarkable ghostly legacy behind it. Legend has it, there was odd phenomenon associated with the Battle of Little Bighorn to Native Americans, the Greek the greasy grass even though the battle itself and with custer's wife elizabeth bacon custer recounted in her memoirs that when the seventh left for abraham lincoln fort abraham lincoln in mid-may 1876 a mirage appeared to split the long column so that nearly half of the regiment seemed to ride off above the trail into the sky and disappear mm. ominous indeed because nearly half of the regiment would within six weeks die in battle the little Bighorn Battlefield became a military cemetery and a national monument a very few years after the battle, and almost immediately gained a reputation as a haunted place. In 1894, a stone house was built for the park's first superintendent, whom the local Crow tribesmen called the Ghost Herder. They believed the superintendent allowed the dead of the Little Bighorn to walk the night hours after the American flag was taken down, then sent them back to their graves with the rising of the flag at sunrise. The stone house itself was said to be haunted. People who would stay in it said that their nights were disturbed by phantom footsteps, banging, loud knocking noises with no apparent origins. 
objects that seemed to move from one place to another by their own volition, doorknobs that turned on their own to admit no one, lights that turned themselves on and off, and at least once by a partial apparition that appeared at the foot of a ranger's bed and then vanished through a solid wall. The oddest incident involving the stone house occurred in 1983. A Crow Ranger, a park interpreter, and tribal historian named Mardell Plainfeather spotted lights burning on the second floor in the then-empty building. A bit spooked, she knew the building's reputation for strange happenings. She called another ranger named Michael to come check the building with her. Michael sent Plainfeather home and went into the building alone, leaving his wife, Ruth, back at their apartment in a nearby complex. Michael found the building deserted, but the lights on the second floor were on. He turned them off and was leaving the building when his wife came running up screaming in a panic. When she calmed down a little bit, she told him that back in their apartment, the television had gone haywire, the picture had gone to snow, and a voice very definitively said, The second floor of the stone house. Knowing that her husband was at the stone house and afraid something might happen to him, she rushed out and almost collapsed when she found him safe. Well, you might figure... A big personality like Custer, who recklessness and thirst for glory cost him his tro and his troops their lives, would remain in this world. Several times it's been reported that Custer's ghost, in the buckskins, red scarf, and white hat he wore on the day of the battle, his famous haircut unusually short, has been seen walking on Last Stand Hill. Those that have seen him said he's rather confused and apparently is looking for men, who included, by the way, two of his brothers, a nephew, and a brother-in-law he lost in battle. Custer's spirit has also been seen at Fort Riley in Kansas, where he and his wife Libby spent several years in the 1860s. Mm. So, perhaps the oddest sighting of Custer, however, occurred a full 14 years after his death at a most unexpected place, at the site of Wounded Knee Massacre. It has been reported that on December 29, 1890, both his ghost and that of Sitting Bill, who had been shot and killed two weeks earlier, were seen side by side, watching as 153 Sioux were killed by members of the reorganized 7th Cavalry, Those who saw Custer that day said, he, like Sitting Bull, seemed to be grieving at the loss of life. Crazy wow. story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, I guess I, I don't know much about General Custer other than the famous line of general custer's last stand mm -hmm. um so i i don't know what kind of man he was or anything like that i i should probably go look that look that yeah. up yeah. yeah that'd be an interesting an interesting read um so when you read that and and um you were getting ready for the show what were your thoughts on that did they ring like kind of true to you or were you like this is a little far-fetched what were you thinking? I mean, I think that there's some truth to every story, right? Um, and, and I think that as years go on, stories like, you know, the big fish story, right? They get bigger and bigger and like, you know, pretty soon you, you caught a whale, right? But I think that there's some truth to some of these things that, that you know, Custer, it was such um, a crazy emotional battle and so many men died so quickly. They, you know, there was, it was a massacre that, no doubt some energy was left behind and um, that people were feeling that. And and then when you like place something like a stone house on top of, you know, a battlefield or near a battlefield, you're disrupting that energy. And even if there's, even if it's like, you know, where we've talked about this before, where like it's a movie where ghosts are just kind of walking things out. 
that would explain something like a spectral going through a wall that's there right because it wasn't there back you know years and years yeah ago. yeah if so, they're just replaying yeah if it's just stuck energy so i mean yeah. I'm, I'm interested to hear again from the fans and saying you know like this is a little bit of a history lesson right um but and i love history but i think a lot of ghost stories come from history and they they morph over time and and people experience different things and you know you have people that go out to these locations like i'm sure we're going to visit some places ourselves to try to 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 tell a story on site and maybe maybe experiencing something our, ourselves right um so i guess my initial experience was i in a way was reliving some of like you know my passion for history but also some of my childhood because most of these i wasn't at custer's last stand but most of the sites that i uh went to you're just i was overwhelmed with emotion you know yeah knowing yeah. that so many people have passed yeah so. yeah uh the energy stays there right? right like um i love walking into old houses for that reason um mm -hmm. just that so much history has taken place here so many people um lived and died in that place you know they were young here they were old here mm -hmm. um like that same that same kind of energy so much took place in this building in this spot and i guess you could technically argue that for a lot of places even just like land you know mm -hmm. but um yeah i don't know but you mentioned something about how they put a stone house on that mm -hmm. property and um stone just like you know rocks in general mm -hmm. crystals and things like that are known to hold energy um so especially limestone is known to um kind of radiate and hold on to keep energy mm -hmm. uh and i'm really big into to crystals big shock yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah surprise uh so <laughs> i you know i feel like different stones like um can do different things you know just like people like with different medicines do different things um different herbs do different things mm -hmm. um you know to me different stones represent different things right um and so the fact that they put a big stone house on such a um energy filled area to me is like almost like inviting the energy to stay there and maybe mm -hmm. replay over time Mm -hmm. or strengthen um, it just, some way right yeah or, or amplify it i mean yeah. if there's you know quartz somewhere quartz amplifies things so you know mm -hmm. that could be it um you know I, it's uh yeah i i think that that there's something to that scientifically that yeah. um you know can be proven as well just i mean they use quartz in watches they use quartz in um you know computer chips things like that yeah. so yeah and limestone because they hold energy yeah yeah i was just gonna say in limestone you, you bring up a pretty good point i know like especially throughout history that that that's a pretty easily carvable substance of stone right um but it also i think was used a lot like when they had the designed those huge sanitariums the, like the big building blocked ones i'm pretty sure that was limestone so yeah imagine all that energy getting you know kind of trapped yeah. or pulled in or you know amplified maybe there's some quartz in there too <laughs> yeah maybe i mean who knows but yeah. I, I mean i just as an example um yeah. in case any any listeners are like you're a kook i am <laughs> but <laughs> um but there have been scientific studies on on different 
types of rocks and yeah. um and their their energetic uh you know i don't want to say powers but their energetic like factors essentially yeah. yeah well i often i often fear about what listeners think about me especially the ones that know me now <laughs> like you, you're calling yourself a kook but i'm like oh yeah he's crazy <laughs> i really don't i don't yeah. care like uh, i i am who i am <laughs> right <laughs> like right. you know i I like paranormal stuff. I like spooky stuff. It's a passion of mine. And so sure. I'm a little bit weird. I'm also <laughs> compassionate, kind, you know, I'm not going to be a jerk. No. Um, no. You know, that's important, you know, yeah. um, so I can be, I can be kooky, weird. Some of the most interesting people I've ever met uh, have been considered weird, you know, right. oh, they're weird. Um, okay. <laughs> so what's wrong well, with weird that's yeah. interesting right like yeah I don't, no. we, do, we do improv people people shudder when they think of improv yeah shudder they can't do it they're they're terrified and and to watch improv um is embarrassing for them because <laughs> they get secondhand embarrassment um you know but i think yeah. that the most interesting most fun people are a little kooky so what yeah well, I'm glad that you're coming on this ride with me because I can, you know, we can be kooky together. Yeah. <laughs> so Sounds at, least, good. at least the two of us will have a great conversation. Uh, yeah. Do you want to hear one more? I got a short one. I don't. No, I really don't. All right. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you, everybody. And we'll <laughs> was see a good you show. next time. <laughs> yeah. <go ahead. laughs> this story is called The Train at Marshall Pass. Sometimes the rails themselves have become haunted. Some by trains going down rails that no longer exist. Some by railmen who only can be seen helping other fellow, fellow railmen. And some by ghostly trains that chase real trains, giving the engineers a scare. Most famous of these has to be the Phantom Train of Marshall Pass. Marshall Pass is a continental divide between Poncha Pass and the town of Sargents. and used as the narrow gauge rail between uh, Salida and Gunnison from 1881 to 1955. Nelson Edwards was an engineer who was not new to the pass on the night of the ghost chain, chased the train he was driving. This trip, he had been warned that there were problems with the track, so there was extra wary. Just as the train was approaching its descent, Edwards got a signal to stop. Assuming it was from the conductor, he called to him. The conductor denied it. In fact, the conductor said they should increase speed, if anything, because he had seen on the tracks behind them another train. Edwards could now hear the other train's whistle and put on the speed, pushing it up the slope. Coming down the other side of the pass, Edwards saw the train behind was bigger, a freight train, and he knew that if the other train caught up, it would mean disaster. On a tight curve, Edwards and his conductor could see the face of the engineer behind, and they were appalled that the other engineer was laughing at them. The chase wasn't over. Ahead, Edwards saw a warning light signaling him to stop the train. And here is where the story changes, depending on sources. According to the story in the Rock and Mountain News, published in May of 1889, Edwards pulled the brake, fearing the worst, and rode through a crowd of 10 to 12 ghostly men that were fixing the track. And after Edwards' train had gotten through, the freight train had hit the broken track and went over the side of a cliff, vanishing as it did. The other account has the faint train lifting over Edwards' train and going to the side as the crew watch. Both accounts hold the same, however, in the message Edwards found on the cab window the next morning, etched in the window. Years ago, a freight train was wrecked, 
and as you saw, now you see it. We will never make another run. The engine was not under control, and four men were killed. If you ran on this run on this road again, you will be killed. <laughs> Edwards took the message to heart. He left his training in Green River, Utah, quit working for the Rio Grande, and went back to Denver via the Union Pacific. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> huh. So, so, paced him down, showed him how he died, and then he was like, he wrote an epitaph yeah. <laughs> on the window yeah. and was like, if you come back here, you'll be killed. This will be your fate too. Yeah. Don't and scared him out of his job. So, I mean, who took over? Did they die? I, I don't know. Maybe I got that... I, I, well, I it. And I'm not exactly sure. Like, I, I don't know exactly when he it didn't say and i didn't i should have looked up when his run was and maybe this was 1955 when the train stopped going down there and they're like hey screw this we're not doing this anymore right <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I don't know what that would um i i guess maybe that that was uh a good warning like maybe he really was gonna die and so they were like hey this sure. is how we get your attention um and here's a really good story or maybe the guy like really just wanted to quit his job and so he thought up like this crazy story like yeah. this you know fantastical story and i don't know then he <laughs> he was like and i quit and i quit i'm and, out and and i have booze on me at all times <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy uh, i mean it kind of reminds me of there was a time Again, you know, going scouting, um, I remember being told a story around a campfire, and we probably were on another Civil War battle. We 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 saw a lot of Civil War battlefields. And um, there was a story about, you know, a ghost spectral train in the area that, like, you know, just was haunting the tracks and, and whatnot. And I, I remember a few of us, like, when we went to sleep, like, we weren't asleep yet, but we heard a train in the middle of the night. And it, like... It's not a new train. There's a distinct difference between like, you know, a steam whistle or, you know, a coal mm -hmm. whistle than there is, yeah. um, you know, today's train. So unless somebody was like on some really like 2 a.m. 2 like like reenactment, <laughs> yeah, um, we really felt like we heard that train. I have several people that heard it. But then on the other hand, who knows, like maybe we have a crazy scoutmaster who wants to scare the heck out of his scouts and was blowing a train <laughs> horn in the woods. I don't know. So but yeah. I, ho I hope you like these stories you know um a little bit of history lesson there too and i really enjoyed yeah. it about your mom's gettysburg experience so. yeah the housekeeping i wish that i had a housekeeping ghost yeah <laughs> like coming to like just clean the house and like all right see you later i'm out <laughs> you know if you, yeah if you think about it that's probably among the top 10 best ghosts to have yeah right? yeah if you're gonna be here and you're not gonna pay anything then at least empty my dishwasher or make my bed or make my kids beds or help yeah. clean up their toys that are everywhere i don't know i don't know our luck um, we probably get the ghost that makes the mess that opens up all the cabinet yeah, yeah it stacks the, the dishes yeah. and it puts a chair on top of it you know like yeah i'm gonna break my, my grandmother's so dishes. messy ghost <laughs> right why did i get the messy ghost <laughs> It's the teenager oh. ghost. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess 
Remember the next time you hear a train whistle blow, it may not be your train, but perhaps it's an old locomotive that is still traveling to its destination. Or maybe you need to bow your head and say a little prayer to honor President Lincoln. But I'd stay vigilant and our fellow terror seekers until the next terrifying tale. See ya.